You're listening to a podcast from the South China Morning Post. Well, Sam, I have a very important question for you. Fire away, shaman. Do you remember your first time having a century egg? That is. I do, and I'm glad you finished that sentence there before I had a chance to jump in.、Um, yeah, I actually do. It was a, it was a very memorable experience. I would say that I was nervous beforehand, but it was kind of thrust upon me. Ooh, it sounds like it was a pretty、uh, slippery situation. <laughs> it was indeed. So I've lived in Hong Kong for what about four years, and the first time, pretty much the first time I'd even heard of a century egg, was about three minutes before I was forced. Well, not forced, but heavily encouraged to eat one.、Right? So there was consent.、Involved. There was there was definitely consent. Yes, yes meant yes, but my arm twisted a little bit. Yeah, that's for sure. But it was at a family banquet. One of the servers brought it in. It kind of looked like what, like shiny coal, this black, strange alien things on a plate. And it turned out to be a you know century egg. My partner's aunties. She started explaining what it is. You know, one hundred, one thousand old egg,、uh, and then all of a sudden the room went quiet, and it suddenly dawned upon me that I was going to be expected to eat this. So I think it was kind of like getting acceptance from the the elders. It was kind of like a rite of passage. Wow! And you're、yeah. like thinking, oh my god. This egg is several times my age. I don't know where it's been. It looks terrifying, but I'm just gonna do it. That was basically it. Yeah, it was、uh, a pretty daunting experience. But actually, the smell of the egg—it actually helped the experience because. Really, you must have had a really good one then. Actually, it probably yeah. I mean, it didn't. I think looking at it and having it described what it was, I was expecting like this absolutely rancid. Rotten egg smell, and then I've got to I've got to put that in my mouth, and it's probably going to come straight back out. But the actual weird, slightly pungent, chemically smell, can we say, it kind of helped. And I took a bite, and everybody applauded, and essentially I was accepted in the family, and I've been married to my wife for five years with no issues. The end. So you can say <laughs> the century egg actually helped you in your married life. So hats off to the century egg. There we go. It's a great food, and it just does great for the world. I mean, it's pretty funny because I don't have any clear memory of having my first century egg, just because it's something that I don't know. Maybe you don't remember when you had your first cheese. Absolutely not. I mean, to me, it's something that's just so ordinary and everyday, right? It's something that I may have had at any standard Chinese meal out with my grandparents or my parents. So again, it's one of those things where you don't realize what you're eating is slightly strange、mm-hmm. until someone else points it out. Yeah. And then you're like, what? No, this is completely normal. Because not everyone appreciates it the way that we do. I think that's absolutely true. I can say that I am definitely on board with the century egg now, after having a few years of trying it. So I think、uh, that today we're going to try and debunk some century egg misunderstandings and beliefs、uh, as we deep dive into century eggs in hope that more people can come to appreciate this delicacy. I'm Sam Evans. I'm Sharmi Mock. And, and this, this is Eat, Drink, Drink Asia. Asia. So when you look at how century eggs are portrayed in the West, it's often tinged with disgust. <laughs> A thousand-year-old egg, which I don't even know how that's possible. Yeah. James Corden, the late-night talk show host, has a popular segment called "Spill Your Guts," 
where he and his guests take turns answering very personal, embarrassing, or controversial questions. To the nearest million, how much do you make a year? <laughs> if they choose not to answer those questions, they have to eat something, quote-unquote, disgusting. And that includes foods like scorpions, fish smoothie, bull penis, and century eggs. No, I'm gonna go thousand-year-old egg. Okay. Thousand-year-old egg. Wow, that doesn't smell clean. As my partner's auntie referred to them when she was first introducing them to me, they are called thousand-year eggs to some people, and uh, some other people call them century eggs. Either way, they have a pretty bad reputation, and I think it's because people just don't really understand what they are. And they're also black in color, which is unlike quite a lot of foods, so people are probably a little bit intimidated by how they look. Well, it's because an egg, you know, you look at an egg and normally when you crack it open, you think of sunny side up. It's, you know, it's white, it's golden. It's a very typical way of seeing an egg. So when that's kind of flipped, almost like a photo negative. Yeah, right? that's a really it's, good analogy. It's very odd. It's very disconcerting. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this isn't how an egg, quote unquote, is supposed to look. So I think it puts people right off. Yeah, so some people also think that century eggs smell like ammonia, which is why earlier when, Sam, you, you mentioned that there was not much of a strong, pungent smell to it, I was surprised. But actually, a lot of people think of it as similar to cheese. It doesn't look edible. It's got that funky smell. Yet the process to make cheese and century eggs are kind of similar in that they both go through an aging process. Yeah, you're right, Sam. And century eggs actually come from one of the oldest egg preservation methods in history, which dates all the way back to the Ming Dynasty. The Ming Dynasty, that's about 500 years ago, right? Exactly. So 500 years is a pretty long time, so the exact origins of century eggs aren't totally clear. But according to legend, there was a popular tea house in the eastern Jiangsu province in mainland China. Many people visited the tea house, but the owner didn't have enough workers, so he would haphazardly dump his used tea leaves on top of the kitchen's ash piles. It just so happened that there were ducks in the area, you know, just quacking about, and they'd lay eggs in the ashes. So when the owner was cleaning up the ashes and the tea leaves, he found a lot of duck eggs. And with most things in history, he thought they would be inedible. But then he cracked one open and discovered the egg had a smooth and refreshing taste. So wait, does that mean that we can make century eggs by just going out, finding a river, and covering duck eggs with tea leaves and ashes? Just finding a duck and hoping that it accidentally lays an egg in a bunch of ashes, maybe. Yeah, right. But, you know, the process now is actually a bit more elaborate. So people mix tea leaves, freshly wood-burned ashes, salt, and quicklime to create a muddy paste. So they slather the paste all over the raw duck eggs, then they cover the eggs with rice husks and leave them to preserve for at least several weeks, not a century. I was going to say, so the name century egg, it's a little bit of a misnomer then. Misnomer indeed. But yeah, it only takes several weeks. Literature from the 1900s have also recorded different methods to make century eggs, including using hen's eggs instead of duck eggs, and immersing the eggs in a mixture of fluids instead of coating them with a paste. But the eggs usually only need to be preserved for about half a month in the summer or a full month in winter before they turn into century eggs. 
Okay, so we've established then that century eggs don't actually take 100 years to make, but they've definitely been a part of the Chinese diet for centuries. Back in 1916, the National Geographic magazine wrote, and I quote, the ancient egg in China has as much standing in good society as wine of rare old vintage in Europe, there being no accounting for taste. Speaking of taste, let's do a taste test right now. We've got a century egg in the studio. I'm so excited. It looks really good from the outside, actually. It, actually, it feels really nice. Yeah. It's like very matte. Mm -hmm. You know, it kind of looks like a concrete egg that you might actually use as a decorative item. I agree. Yeah, it's <laughs> you might see it, you know, you know, in like a fancy homeware store. Yeah. Or it reminds me of one of those eggs that you put into rice and your other dry goods to get rid of all the moisture. Yeah, fair but anyways, enough. here it's we go. It's got like designer wallpaper on it. Yes. Ooh, it's got that little squish. Yeah. Oh, that's a satisfying oh. sound. Oh, wow. Look at the patterns on it. It is. So I'm just getting my hands all over it. It's okay. You got clean hands, I right? I got clean hands. I trust you. All right. Beautiful. Uh, what does it look like first, Charmaine? Let's describe to the audience at home. How does a century egg look? Because it looks pretty, it's pretty unique. I mean, at first glance, it kind of reminds me of a coffee jelly. You know, it's got that deep brown kind of translucency. Mm -hmm. It's got something on the outside that looks kind of like, you know, like snowflakes. Yeah, kind of like if when ice yes, cracks and it exactly. goes, it's kind of like that. Though. Yeah, or like, you know, when it's starting to get really cold and your mm -hmm. window starts frosting up. Right? Exactly. That's it. Well, you'll know living in Canada, right? Yeah, Growing exactly. Up in Canada. Freezing. Can I, let me take, take a look. A, take a closer look. Get, a, get your nose up in there too. A look and a smell. Oh my. Wow, yeah, so it's it's really squashy. Bouncy? It's really, yeah, really bouncy. Yeah, probably not squashy, actually. It'd probably go all over my hands if I squash Not it. like a stress ball, right? It's, like, <laughs> <laughs> it's really bouncy, yeah, and wow, yeah. The smell is quite strong, right? Quite it's okay. strong. It's, it's not that strong. It's not super pungent, but it's, it smells very salty. A little bit eggy, but not in a traditional sense. You can see where the yolk is as well, that mm -hmm. little kind of deep green mm -hmm. shade just kind of peeking through. Yeah. It's a thing of beauty. It's like a nice, a nice aged cheese. I know that's a cliche, but it really does have that really lovely aged kind of feeling from a nice ripe a camembert. Oh, now we're talking. Well, we're lucky because uh, we are being handed now some cutlery. Let's dig in. And Charmaine, I want you to uh, lead the way here. Can you open that, give it a taste, and then explain? Should I do it this way, lengthwise, or? Yep, okay, that'll let's do. Go do that. Oh wow! So it's coming apart under the pressure wow. of the chopsticks, and there you go. And what's inside? That's that. Oh, uh, that yolk is yeah, it kind of looks. It's very matte compared to the gelatinous, shiny, out a bit, right? It's so gorgeous. You know, when once you get it open, you kind of see like these little golden bits. Like they kind of look translucent, sunny yellow kind of accent to it. Yeah, it's kind of like amber, kind of like something mm. that you might find on the beach, like quartz or something like that, right? That yeah. smells really kind of pungent. But I love the I love the yolk. It has this uh, really ganache type mm. texture, you know, like a really gorgeous chocolate truffle. Mm. Well, should we dig in? Should we eat it at the same time? Here, you can have the bigger piece. All right. That's so generous of you. Thank you, Charmaine. Okay. Yum. So yeah, it's. Let's talk about texture mm. first, right? So your your teeth they break through that 
that jelly yeah, outside. Yeah, bouncy. Which, it's really bouncy, yeah, and it's really similar to like jelly, kind of a little bit, a little bit more firm than jelly you might just get from the fridge, but it's quite similar. And then inside, what is it when you get to that yolk? Oh, you do get that little bit of that soft-boiled egg mm. texture. You mm. know that slight chalkiness around the edges, mm-hmm. but then you've got that really lovely center, that that ganache again. You know, it's so silky smooth. Mm. But it's so good. It does have that touch of ammonia at the end, mm. which kind of gives it that little extra, like ooh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what is that? Keeps you on your toes a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. So, Sam, unlike what we've just done or what people see on the James Corden show, century eggs aren't really traditionally eaten alone. I mean, you could, but there's just so much more to it. It's so versatile. And in Chinese cuisine, century eggs are often paired with other foods. So our colleague Lisa Cam has met with a few of these leading chefs around Hong Kong to see how they're applying century egg into their cuisine. Hey, Lisa. Hello, guys. I'm back. So, Lisa, before we dive into how century eggs are eaten, can you explain what's considered to be a good century egg? Sure. I spoke with Chef Saito Chow from Chineseology, a restaurant in IFC in Hong Kong, and he gives like a contemporary twist on traditional cuisine there. He gave us a really thorough and extensive answer to that very question. A good century egg typically has a pine nut flower pattern and a tongsam quality. This is what makes a century egg good. Chef Saito mentioned something called tongsam, which basically means molten center. It's kind of like a lava cake where the chocolate in the center oozes out. But he also mentions that the texture, instead of something more ganache, like Charmaine mentioned, he likened it to crab fat, the creamy crab fat. Like it has just a little bit more of a granular, fatty texture to it. I think you would expect something a bit smoother if you compare it to chocolate. So the century egg we just tried in the studio was a good century egg since it was very, and forgive me if I butcher this, tongsome. Pretty good. And actually, our egg also had a gorgeous flower pattern on it. Lisa, what did Chef Saito have to say about that? The flower pattern is called chongfa in Cantonese, which basically translates to pine nut flower. Chef Saito told me that if the century egg has this pattern on the skin, then the texture is bouncier as it's not as tight and gummy. Oh, that is so accurate because the one that Sam and I just tried is definitely has that bouncy texture. It's not easy to buy century eggs with the pine nut flower pattern, but I've observed that if the outer shell has a lot of dots on it, there's a higher chance that it could have the pine nut flower pattern. A pattern with more flower blooms means it's a top-grade century egg. So, Lisa, you mentioned Chef Saito. How does Chef Saito prepare century eggs? Well, when we visited him, he made three very traditional dishes. The first one was century egg and pork congee. Century egg and pork congee dates back centuries. But why do the flavors go so well together? It's because the rice congee is neutral in taste and silky in texture. When you add century eggs, they have a subtle sweet taste and aroma. Adding some meat into the dish, then all the flavors go really well together. Uh, When do you guys eat it? Uh, I know that it's quite common for people to eat it at breakfast. Will you guys stick to having it at breakfast? And why do you like it? Actually, it's it's kind of a thing that 
I wouldn't say it's something that I have when I'm sick, but it's、mm-hmm. just got such a comforting quality to it. You know, it's、yeah. like smooth, fluffy congee, delicate century egg, and then you've got the little shreds of the pork in there.、Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a really cheap dish,、mm-hmm. which is why we probably had it a lot. But there's just something so simple about it. I imagine it's a bit like having, you know, like chicken soup、mm-hmm. when you're ill, or you know, like a peanut butter sandwich, something that's comforting <laughs> to you and yeah. familiar. Yeah. But won't you agree, Shamin, that like all paydans or yokjo or century egg and pork congee are not created equal? Like there is definitely like the good ones. Oh, the premium ones. Exactly right. There's、mm. ones that like you know. Not that I don't mind that、um, some century eggs are you know is a bit more gummy, or this one has a strong ammonia taste because we're so used to the ingredient. But you really can taste that. Like okay, this one like you know the pork is really dry、oh, and stringy, and、um, this one's very gummy, and the ammonia is really strong. Or the ones where like you know the the sweetness of the pork, the soapy alkali flavor. And then the smooth texture of the egg just melds in with the protein and、mm. ends off on a sweet note.、Mm-hmm. It's very different on the spectrum, isn't it? Yeah. Well, well, my wife sometimes makes it at home, so so she doesn't kill me when I get home. I'm going to say that it's definitely on that stellar end of the spectrum, like you just mentioned, Lisa. <laughs> of course, it's home cooked. <laughs> Nothing better than that. Apart from paydan sao jok or century egg with congee, Chef Saito made this century egg with baby ginger or paydan zigong. This is like a very standard cold dish, very appetizer-y. I think more of on the spectrum of just an hors d'oeuvre, like an amuse bouche in Ooh,、yes. Chinese cuisine, don't、yes. you think? Yeah, you usually get a slice of ginger and it's laid on top of a quartered or maybe a sixth of a century egg. You dip it in a bit of sugar or you sprinkle it on top, up to you. But Chef Saito's version has a few more ingredients. The traditional version of this dish only has century egg, baby ginger, and some granulated sugar. But I thought that I could make it a bit more special by incorporating some new flavors. So, since century eggs have a subtle sweet aroma and baby ginger are sweet, I added some mala sauce, which adds another layer of flavor. I also added some cucumbers so it tastes more refreshing. Oh, unusual! I've never actually put sugar on mine. It's always just been ginger and century egg. Yeah, it's served with the sugar though. You, I don't know if you notice, like it's a lot of the time it comes with that little dish of sugar, and you're wondering like you have to pick either or. Oh yeah. But like you know, you can mix it up if you want. Also, this dish doesn't have to be just one century egg, but two. One of them is a golden yellow century egg. The other one is a black century egg. A golden yellow century egg. So, what's the difference between that and the black ones? Well, Chef Saito said the golden century eggs are preserved for a shorter period of time. When the century egg hasn't been fully preserved, it'll turn into a golden yellow color. So, golden yellow century eggs are typically even more tender, while black century eggs have a more intense egg flavor. So, out of the two, it sounds like the traditional one is just a little bit better. Am I right? The golden yellow century egg may have a milder taste, but it has a softer skin, so they each have their own flavor. It really depends on whether someone prefers something more traditional, or if they think the golden yellow color. Is more appealing to eat. 
So I've talked about my experience eating century egg with baby ginger. As I said, it was actually the first time that I ate a century egg and it turned out to be lovely and it set me on this path to eating century eggs like I do now, which is quite often. What about you guys? What about Charmaine and Lisa? What is a kind of time that you will have that dish? Will you eat it exclusively at restaurants or will you eat it at home? Is that a thing? It really is an amuse-bouche more to me. Mm. Like, you know, when you go out to eat, it's a multi-course meal and someone like, you know, know that someone's going to be late and they're going to prop that on the table first. Um, how about you, Charmaine? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I agree. It's something that you just take for granted almost. You know, it's there. And if it's in front of me, I will never not eat it. But it's not something that maybe I would actively order, actually. But would you, with a century egg at home, like put some ginger on it and eat it? I don't find I do that that much. No, it's a bit too fancy. I would just mm. probably chop it up, you know, put it on top of some chilled tofu, a little bit of vinegar... That's think, more my jam. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. When you have one at home, you're more tempted to make a meal out mm, of it yeah. rather than have it like, you know, as like a petite appetizer. Ooh, it mm. almost seems a bit too indulgent, don't you think? To like, you know, just have like a whole quarter of a century egg at home by yourself. I feel oh. like that's a little bit like a like a Chinese family thing. It's like, oh, you know, we got to make this one egg last and kind of like go further, you know, chop it up and put it in congee. So like one egg can feed like a huge family. Oh. Whereas having like a whole like half an egg or like a quarter of an egg. It's like, like a restaurant indulgence, you know? It's like... Like we just did. Exactly. <laughs> like, would that be equivalent to like, no, okay, I'm eating this whole wheel of brie yeah. by myself, mm. right? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, we have been known to do that. But. Both of these dishes, the congee and the one with baby ginger, are savory dishes. But Chef Saito also prepared a classic Chinese dessert, century egg puff pastry or... Century egg puff pastry dates back 50 plus years. It's a very traditional dish. We make a mung bean puree and use it to wrap some baby ginger and a whole century egg. Then we make a flour-based puff pastry to wrap the egg. We add an egg wash on top and bake it until golden brown. I've actually never really had this. What? Yeah. It's so yummy! Yeah, it's weird. I've never really had this growing up. Century it's, egg in a baked pastry. Well, I think it's a very Hong Kong dish. It's made famous by a bakery in Yunlong. It was one of their signature pastries. I remember when I visited Hong Kong, my relatives would drive me to Yunlong. It used to be a trip back then. And mm -hmm. we would wait for these pastries to come out of the oven and we'd like buy it back and just eat it in the car. Ooh, so it'd be like hot. The fact that you've got like the lotus seed paste and the pastry introducing you to that little soapy alkaline flavor is very special. It's not a flavor or a dessert that you would usually get. Like alkali is not kind of like on the wheelhouse of what you would think of mm -hmm. for dessert. So it's what made this special to me. Do they sell similar things all over Hong Kong? Or are these still very few and far between? Obviously, Chef Saito does them, but are probably lower end versions available wherever you go, or is this still quite a rarity? You would have to find the traditional bakeries now. I think the place in Yunlong definitely still has it. Last time I went, that was five years ago. I know, I'm a terrible Hong Konger. Um, <laughs> so, in short, yes, you can find it, but it has to be a bit more of the traditional places mm -hmm. um, that has, like, the bakery inside, because as you can imagine, this doesn't taste very great cold. 
Okay, yeah, fair enough. I can imagine. Mm-hmm. You might think that it's a bit weird to pair like mung bean and baby ginger in a century egg, but Chef Saito told me that these flavors go well because of their energies to complement each other. We use mung beans because, according to Chinese food therapy, they've got a cool energy. Meanwhile, ginger is considered warm, so Chinese cuisine would typically pair mung bean puree with baby ginger to serve a well-balanced dish. It won't be too cool or too warm. When you add the sweet aroma from the century egg as well, form it into a bun shape and bake it, then you've created a Chinese dessert. So what you're talking about is Chinese food therapy, right? And it's something that you hear from traditional Chinese medicine doctors. Totally. That's why I spoke to a TCM practitioner, Samuel To, to learn more about the health benefits of century eggs. Century eggs are preserved duck eggs. So duck eggs provide yin energy, and they have a cool energy. And even after they've gone through the preservation process and turned into century eggs, they still retain those properties. So as Samuel said, they provide yin energy and cool energy. But what does that mean? Well, Sam, you probably heard that yin and yang are seen as the black and white dot symbol. Now, according to TCM, people get sick when there's an imbalance of the yin and the yang energies. Now, just to clarify a little bit, yang energy is symbolized by day. It's movement. It is heat. Yin energy is more about moonlight, sleeping, resting, and being in stasis, more almost. So the yin is the black with the white dot, and the yang is the white with the black dot? I would surmise as much too. <laughs> right? I have never thought about that. It should be like the black. Because like it's never Night. complete, right? Like, you know, in Chinese like philosophy or history, even if it's black, it's got to have a white well, dot. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's darkness always... and light and light mm. and darkness. It's all and about it's... balance, people. Mm. That's right. When people have too much yang, some symptoms include yid hei, sore throats, poor sleep, lots of eye boogers, and they get easily irritated. It's even correlated with diseases like high blood pressure and diabetes. This happens when you don't have enough yin. So eating centregs can help replenish your yin and bring your yin-yang energies back into balance? Exactly. Samuel also told us that there's a reason why Chinese people like to eat century egg and pork congee when they get a cold. Because the ingredients of the dish can clear heat and reduce fire, it can also nourish the lungs and soothe the throat. I knew it. I knew there was a reason why I turned to this when I'm feeling under the weather. In Chinese medicine, the common cold can be caused by feng yi, meaning wind heat, or feng hon, meaning wind cold. Now, according to Samuel, if you've got wind heat common cold, you should eat a bowl of century egg and pork congee. For a wind heat common cold, it means you've got some heat symptoms, such as fever, feeling dry and hot, and a sore throat. All of these are heat symptoms. When you eat century egg and pork congee, it soothes your throat. You feel more lively and have more energy. So Lisa, Samuel also mentioned that century eggs have a cold energy. What exactly does that mean? Now, roughly speaking, in Chinese medicine, like food has properties just like a spectrum. It goes from heat 
to warm, to balance, to cold, to freezing. So in Chinese, it's yi wan peng leng hon. Since century eggs have a cold energy because they're ducks and they swim in the river, <laughs> they're perfect to eat during these hot summer months. It's so hot right now, so the heat outside is affecting the body and causing too much heat in the body. The symptoms include having a lot of eye boogers, poor sleep, even bad breath, urine is too yellow, and itchy and inflammatory skin. When you eat century eggs, it can provide yin energy and reduce heat, thus bringing your yin yang back to balance. So, when we think about the benefits of century eggs, how do they compare to, say, regular fresh chicken eggs? That's a great question, and here's what Samuel had to say. Uh, Dug eggs have a cold energy, but chicken eggs have a warm energy. So, comparing the two, they're both eggs. But in terms of reducing heat and provide yin energy, duck eggs are much more effective. Well, you know, Lisa, how so many doctors these days say that eating too many chicken eggs is dangerous, especially for those with high cholesterol and can increase their risk of heart disease and all these other very terrifying and killjoy-like statements. What about century eggs? Are there any cases where Samuel would recommend people to not eat century eggs? Actually, he does. No! It depends on the person's constitution and condition. If the person's spleen and stomach is weak from cold energy, they've got enough yin but not enough yang. Then if they eat century eggs, because century eggs provide yin energy, it'll actually deplete their yang even more. So for these people, eating century eggs is actually harmful. They can't digest century eggs very well, and they might even get diarrhea. If you have a weak stomach and usually have a hard time digesting, then eating century eggs won't reduce the fire in your body. Instead, it's weakening the weakness. This basically means you want to replenish something, but you ended up depleting it even more. And before you think you should start eating lots of century eggs, Samuel has a warning for you. Century eggs are still a kind of preserved food. They're tasty and have many health benefits. But if you eat too much, it can increase the risk of cancer. I think eating it once in a while is okay. But if you eat it every day or eat it multiple times a week, that's too much. I'm curious, how does Samuel like to eat his century eggs? Oh, just like the rest of us, he likes it in the congee too. I think the traditional pairings are really good. Century egg and pork congee has been passed down through so many generations. It's such a nice pairing, I call it the perfect match. He also likes the century egg served as a cold appetizer. But some people are afraid the dish has too much cold energy because the dish is served cold. The century egg has cold energy and it's salty. For some people, eating cold, salty foods makes them feel unwell. That's why they add some baby ginger. This reduces the cold energy of the dish and soothes the body. So both the century egg and pork congee and the century egg with baby ginger exist, not only because their flavors go well together, but also because the health benefits of each ingredient, their energies, complement each other. Exactly. One thing that I was wondering, okay, so you guys both grew up eating century eggs or definitely having it around you guys. 
As Charmaine said before, she can't actually remember her first century egg. Lisa, is it a little bit different with you? Do you remember it? And is there anybody, did you have any cousins, any siblings that actually didn't like a century egg as a kid? Because, you know, I got introduced to it when my taste buds had developed a little bit when I was in my 20s. I wonder how it would taste to a kid. You know what, Sam? You're exactly right. I mean, I grew up in Australia, and actually century eggs weren't really imported until I was about seven or eight. Wow. So I don't really have distinctive memories of it until I think some of the grocery stores started selling it. Mm -hmm. And of course, the first thing my family did as soon as they saw it was buy it and make congee. Now, me being like me, I saw that and was like, that's black. I want to try it. Like so, <laughs> I, <laughs> so I just went into it. But of course, there were so many people, including some cousins and all that, would just like pick it all out mm. because just on the surface of what it looks like. So don't feel guilty that you were taken aback by this ingredient. We all are at some point, but I think it's the spirit of adventure mm -hmm. and wanting to incorporate different things in your life that would hopefully motivate more people to try it. So what you're saying is that although it's very popular with Chinese families, century egg doesn't actually appeal to every single person right away. Don't you know someone, an adult charming, that doesn't eat century eggs? I'm sure we do. Yeah, yeah. So I think there's um, a need to, like, you know, expand and improve everyone's understanding. I think it's more about context. You know, when you try a food and you have like a good version the first time, mm -hmm. then you will keep going. I think we have to try and abate everybody's bad reaction Indeed. to the yeah. We need positive century egg experiences. Century eggs need a better marketing team, <laughs> is what I say. You know, I absolutely agree. That's why here in Hong Kong, there are several chefs who are reinventing the egg in hopes that more people would want to try century eggs. I wanted to make a century egg that the general population, especially children and foreigners, wouldn't be put off by. This is Chef Chan Hong Cheng of One Harbor Road in the Grand Hyatt. Now, the century egg that we're accustomed to are black or golden yellow. But the century egg dish that Chef Chan has created is translucent. In Cantonese cuisine, you'd traditionally eat century eggs with ginger and some granulated sugar. This is delicious, but it's a bit troublesome to eat. So I came up with a new dish. I turned a century egg into a jelly and then combined it with ginger and sugar. Why don't you tell us the process of making your version of century eggs? We slice the century egg and remove the egg whites. The molds we use have limited space, so we leave out the egg whites and use them in other dishes like congee. We mix the egg yolks with our homemade ginger and some flour to make the jelly. Then we pour it into the molds and refrigerate it until it's set. A century egg jelly? What did it taste like? Well. Me and Xiaoming can both jump into this because we both tried it, right? It's um, basically what we described with the ginger century egg, but in one bite. Yeah, he's done a really great job of just kind of amalgamating and kind of bringing all of those different flavors and textures together into one beautiful little egg. I mean, it looks absolutely stunning if you've seen it. It's almost like a decorative item. I would almost describe it as like a snow globe. Yes. So he already, like, you know, abates that, like black apprehensiveness that you get. It's like little galaxies inside, right? It's got a little bits of ginger, does it? Yeah. Yeah. And that's then part it's of the like, snow globe. Yeah. Um, so pretty. Um, yeah. And beautiful. Then, 
little slice of century egg is right there. So you taste it on your palate last, and it brings out just that slight little soapy alkali flavor just to end it after the first, like, you know, ginger and the sweetness and a bit of tart on the, on the front end. He really did a great dish there. 其實我都想將皮蛋呢樣嘢去。I want kids and people from abroad to experience century eggs in a new way. That's why I use an unconventional cooking method while still retaining this classic food pairing. It's a really interesting way to present it too, I think, because it kind of takes some of the more challenging textures out of the century egg. You don't get that kind of oozy, lava-y yolk in this version, which I miss. Sorry, Tatsifu. But <laughs> it's still an amazingly different way to approach century egg, I think. Totally agree. So I read an article the other day that century eggs inspired the author Dr. Seuss. He allegedly saw someone at a Chinese restaurant eating what turned out to be a century egg and congee, and he asked that person, what are you eating? And the diner replied, green eggs and ham. Yes, Sam, I am. You do not like them, so you say. Try them, try them, and you may. Try them, and you may, I say. So Chef Saito and his bartender put their heads together and created this gingery kind of little bit tart tequila base. Um, oh, that sounds good. Yeah, cocktail for us. And on top, they used bits of century egg and made like little mini eggs as a garnish. That sounds really cute. It was so cute. And I kept on bugging him, like, you know, I know you made this for this special, but could you like include this on your bar menu? Because I feel it's so cool. I can imagine that putting it on a cocktail menu would entice a ton of people to try it. Hint, hint. Could be a great way to get people interested in Centrix, I think. I think I'd definitely try that. That's all for this episode of Eat Drink Asia. Thanks for listening. And a reminder, you can find the video version of Lisa's journey through Hong Kong in search of Century Eggs, along with all of our food-related stories and videos on our website at scmp.com. And don't forget to follow us on our Instagram page at scmpnews. Thanks for listening and bye for now. Bye. bye.